unintentional blindness and inattentional blindness. They are the failure to notice something in your field of vision because you are focused on something else. How often do we live life that we are focused on one thing or another? In this experiment's case, people in white shirts were what you are uh, or were focused on. And, you know, we could take a leap with this and go back to the first century and think about the Pharisees, couldn't we? The religious leaders of the day. And according to Scripture, they seem to be focused on Sabbath law. Sabbath law. They, they couldn't see the miracles, or I would even say see the opportunities for miracles, right? Because they were so focused on the Sabbath law, they couldn't see things happening right in front of their eyes. Jesus healed an invalid who hadn't walked in 38 years. He gave sight to a man who was born blind He restored a man's withered arm, but the Pharisees missed the miracle and missed the Messiah because they were blinded by focus on Jewish law. I believe, help my unbelief. Let's say that together. I believe, help my unbelief. Unintentional blindness might uh, simply be a fading awareness of the constants in your life. Now think about this. Um, uh, until recently, I was unaware of uh, my kidneys working. Right? Now I am made very aware of the miracle of what kidneys do in our life. Right? And, and quite honestly, until recently, well, let me ask you. How many of you think about your heart beating in your chest? Has something happened in your life that brought your attention to that? Right? Most of us, we don't even pay attention to it until either someone in our family has had heart issues or we have had heart issues and we don't take it for granted anymore, right? The miracle of a heartbeat. How about breathing? Any of you think about breathing? It's just something we do... Every day, right? Every, how many times, how many times each minute? I don't even know. Anybody know? Our doc isn't here this morning, so she, she could straighten me out, right? But if you have COPD or something like that, you think about your breathing, don't you? Or just had pneumonia. You think about your breathing, Right? So, so unintentional blindness is that concept of it could be anything. Quite, off, quite honestly, it could be your spouse. You just, I mean, it's, nothing's wrong with it on this Valentine's Day. But the thing is, sometimes we catch ourselves taking for granted the one that we live this life with, right? So um, either way, whether it is inattentional, I-N, attentional blindness, or unintentional blindness, either way it is one of the greatest threats to uh, spiritual vitality. As a matter of fact, one of the truest tests of spiritual maturity is seeing the miraculous in the monotonous. Let's read that together. 
one of the truest tests of spiritual maturity is seeing the miraculous in the monotonous. I believe, help my unbelief. On a January morning in 2007, a world-class violinist played six of Johann Sebastian Bach's most stirring concertos for the solo violin on a 300-year-old Stradivarius that was worth $3.5 million. Two nights before, Joshua Bell had performed a, for a sold-out crowd where people gladly paid $200 for a ticket in the nosebleed section. But this time, the performance was free. Bell ditched his tux. He ditched his coattails. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he put on a Washington Nationals baseball cap and he played incognito outside the Le Enfant Plaza metro station. Street musicians, you know, in the cities, they're pretty common, right? I've seen uh, drummers beating on different sized drums, which actually sounds pretty awesome if you uh, listen. I've seen violinists, I've seen saxophone players, and, and the, the amazing thing is, is they get pretty good about it. Uh, doing it most hours of most days. Okay? But this time, the uh, experiment was conceived by a Washington Post columnist, and it was filmed by a hidden camera. Now, of the 1,907 people who passed by, only seven stopped to listen. Just think about that for a moment. The 45-minute performance ended without applause or acknowledgement. Joshua Bell netted $32.17 in tips. And $20 of that comes from someone that realized and recognized that he was the Grammy award-winning musician. Now tell me, if we don't have a moment to stop and listen to one of the greatest musicians in the world playing some of the finest music ever written on one of the most beautiful instruments ever created, how many similarly sublime moments do we miss out on during our normal day? I've been reading the book, <clears throat> the Grave Robber by Mark Batterson. And it's a great book so far. It's a great book. As a matter of fact, I'm really excited about it. And uh, we're going to do a teaching series called The Grave Robber between now and Easter. And uh, one thing that attracted me to it was the fact that I have issues with miracles. I really have had to fight it. I don't know if it's because I have a chemist background or, or what, but I, um, I have to fight this unexplained miracles. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. Just anybody else have that issue? Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that God doesn't direct things within the physical laws that God created. You hear me? That God doesn't direct things within the physical laws that God create, created. 
to make the wondrous happen. Like conception. Right? Can you imagine how many times conception happens and everything is right? What is the statistical chance of that happening? And to be honest with you, just once is a miracle. Amen? And, and there are so many more things that are a miracle that we understand how it happens. So I'm not saying that God doesn't direct things within the physical laws that God created to make the wondrous happen. I believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I, I believe that I experienced the work of God when I had a portion of my kidney removed two months ago tomorrow. Believe it or not, and yet I'm here before you today. Is that not a miracle? Some of you may be thinking, well, it depends on where you're sitting. Anyways, that was supposed to be funny. (laughs) It's terrible whenever uh, you have to explain your jokes. But anyway, I believe that um, some of you may be wishing it took a little longer for the recovery is what I'm trying to get at. I believe that I experienced the work of God when my 83-year-old father had his chest pulled apart, a doctor held his heart in his hands, he replaced the tricuspid valve with a pig valve, and cut away a part of the atrium with his, in his heart four weeks ago, and he's sitting in his home drinking coffee this morning. By the way, I... With that pig valve, I asked if he was rooting around in the mud at all. And he... I would definitely call those miracles. But, but those are miracles where scientists answered God's call. Where scientists went through, where human beings went through the hard work of learning to create medicines and machines that can help us heal. Those are miracles where God gifted people to be doctors and nurses and they went through the hard work of education and they had that stick to right? If someone has a medical doctor or reverend in front of their name, they are sticking to it come hell or high water. I mean, Sorry. I said hell in church, but it's true. They're not someone that's quitting college. They're not someone that's quitting anything. That's one of the major things about Eagle Scouts, right? People look when on applications, if you have an Eagle Scout, that means you're going to stick to it until the job's done. And for most people, they can hire you right there on the spot. Just for that. Right? So anyway, I'm not saying that that these aren't miracles, but these are people that have worked because God has given them these gifts and they've stuck through it and they've done the hard work of education and they do the best that they can do through their experience and God's help. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I think it's a miracle that we are moving at 1,000 miles per hour right now spinning on the earth's axis. 
and we're not flying off the face of the earth. Have you ever thought about that? I don't want you to lose sleep over it, but just think about it. We're also moving 67,108 miles per hour through space. Folks, that is 87 times faster than the speed of sound. And you thought you were going to have a boring day. So in 24 hours, you travel 1,599,793 miles through space. Is that not a miracle? I think it's a miracle that what is taking place in our bodies right now. See, you haven't even been thinking about what's taking place in your body right now because you're thinking, man, when is this pastor going to finish up? There are trillions of chemical reactions taking place in your body every second. Every second. Trillions. See? She even agrees. You're inhaling oxygen, you're metabolizing energy, you're managing equilibrium, you're manufacturing hormones, some more than the rest of us, you're fighting infections and diseases, you're filtering stimuli, you're mending tissue, you're purifying toxins, you're digesting your breakfast, and circulating your blood, just to name a few. I believe, Lord help my Unbelief. Do you realize that your brain is performing up to 10 quadrillion calculations every second? And it uses only 10 watts of power. A computer would require a gigawatt of power produced by a nuclear power plant to pull off the same performance. And the 12 pounds of gray matter in your head is doing it in a second. Are we not miracles of God? I believe. Say it with me. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. If your personal genome sequence was written out longhand, you know what a genome sequence is? You know, how tall you're going to be, how big your nostrils are going to be, if you're going to have pimples or not, blonde hair, blue eyes. What is this thing called? No, there's a name for it. It is an airlobe, but whatever this is, whether it's attached or detached, right? Surely you learned that in... Seventh grade science, didn't you? Your personal genome was written out longhand. It would be a three billion word book. Pat's going, you are so full of it, I don't even know what to say. The Bible contains, now stick with me here, it would be, I have a point actually in all this, so please stick, stick with me. It would be a three billion word book. The Bible, however, contains 783,137 words. So your genetic code is equivalent of nearly 4,000 Bibles. 
Immediately, someone in the first service started yawning just thinking about trying to read that. I'm sure it had nothing to do with my sermon. If it were an audio book and you read it at a rate of one double helix per second, it would take nearly a century to put you into words. Hallelujah. Are we miracles or what? But see, I can understand that. You see, I I, I can see how all that comes together. I understand how God, well, I don't necessarily understand it, but I, I have learned how God created gravity so we don't fly off the planet, right? I've learned how the gravity of the sun, even though the earth is spinning at 67,000 miles per hour around, or revolving, excuse me, the sun, that it's the sun's gravity that holds us instead of flying out into space as a planet. I've, I've learned how the proteins work in our body to hold everything together and how we're made of on and off switches. And most diseases are whenever our body turns on and fails to turn off or vice versa, right? I understand that we are made of miracles, but you know what? Well, just to proclaim this a little bit more, one of my favorite Psalms, 139, and it's one of the oldest. It has the oldest words, some of the oldest words in our Bible. You all know what it is. God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can anything else explain better? The last 15 minutes of my sermon. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. You see, I I can identify with the Father. Yeah, Lord, I believe. Never seen it, but I believe. Right? You see, I, I can understand all those miracles. But on the other hand... On the other hand, I've never seen a demon leave a boy. I've never seen a man's hand who has been withered for years right in front of my eyes be made whole. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I've never seen a blind man who's been blind from birth. I've never seen someone spit on the mud, work it around in their hand and wipe it on his eyes and say a little prayer. And the guy goes and washes it off and he comes back and praise God, he can see. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. You hear what I'm saying? That's one reason why I'm excited about this teaching series, The Grave Robber. Mark Batterson, some of you may know him, he or read his works before. He goes through the Gospel of John and he lifts out the miracles in the Gospel of John. And he focuses on those miracles. 
And each chapter is about a different miracle. And I'm really excited because I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. John Wesley used to tell his pastors because many times as they were traveling around, um, they would essentially lose their faith because of either deaf ears or, or just exhaustion from what they did, right? Um, they didn't live very long because people would steal from them. They were just out there by themselves and beat them up and things like that. And John Wesley said, if you ever feel like you're losing your faith, you preach faith until you have it. And so I'm hoping that might happen to me. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Because you see, in John 2, water molecules recognize the voice of the one who called them into existence. Anybody want to take a guess what happened in John chapter 2? Jesus turned water. And you know, the amazing thing is Mark skips Well, actually, the Gospel of John skips the miracle of Jesus' birth, right? He skips the resurrection part. He's calling it a miracle. He talks about it, but, right? So the beginning of Jesus' life and the end of Jesus' life are almost assumed to John, right? But those are miracles as well, aren't they? Right? And the first miracle that he talks about is John 2, when water, just listen to me, the water molecules, yeah, we hear it, the water turns into wine, but I want you to hear me, the water molecules recognize the voice of the one who called them into existence. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Every atom in the universe submits to his ultimate authority, amen? In John chapter 4, Jesus heals a nobleman's son long distance, revealing his power over distance. Or maybe that his presence is in every place. Then in John 5, Jesus reveals his master over time, reversing 38 years of pain and suffering with one command. In John chapter 6, Jesus introduces a new miraculous equation for you math people out there. Because 5 plus 2 equals 5,000 like to the 12th. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Five loaves of bread and two fish. Fed over 10,000 people. His, his encore is waltzing across the waves of the, Gal, uh, of the Sea of Galilee. In John chapter 9, there is more to the miracle than meets the eye. Jesus doesn't just heal a blind man's eyes. I want you to hear me. He hardwires the blind man's brain by creating sim, uh, synaptic, if I could talk, pathways between his optic nerves and his visual cortex. Did you ever think about that? He'd been blind since birth. And just when you think you've seen it all, the grave robber turns, into a, turns to a tomb and he turns that into a waiting room when he raises Lazarus from the dead. Can you imagine some of the chemical reactions he had to do with Lazarus after being dead four days? It's worse than the skunk than you hit, that you hit, Jamie. 
I believe. Help my unbelief. Let's say it together. I believe. Help my unbelief. Again, I believe. Help my unbelief. My prayer is that over the next several weeks, we do believe. We're here. Amen? Let us ask God to help those areas in our life where we have issues with believing. When we question whether God really has command over nature, right? I mean, I've been in many of your hospital rooms of your family, right? And many times, even though we pray for healing, many times those family members never leave the hospital. And that breaks my heart. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, I always forget to, to God, they're coming home. It's a, it's a good thing, right? So I'm hoping that uh, you might get excited about this as well as we step through this book called The Grave Robber by Mark Batterson. And today as you leave, maybe you're a little overwhelmed with some of the numbers I gave you, I hope. Because God is an all-powerful God. Amen. And as we come to worship and focus our lives upon the Creator, let us say, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Let's pray. Dear God, as we come together today, we, have, we thank You for the presence, Your presence that has been here among us. We give You praise for... Um, The simple things. We give you praise for, I, I hear this water running next to me, God, and it reminds me of the three baptisms in the 815 service. And, and I give you praise that this simple water, which a huge percentage of our planet is made of, you make into a sacrament. And we baptize people, showing that they are a part of your community world community of Christianity. It symbolizes washing away our sins, Lord. It symbolizes a new beginning. It's just water, H2O, but you, God, make it so much more. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. As we work through this book, may your presence be all-powerful in it. We ask you to help our unbelief. We ask you to open our eyes and our ears, all of our senses to the miracles that are taking place all around us. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And dear God, we just ask that we can grow deeper spiritually because of your presence and the fact that we recognize your presence all around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said,